You're listening to the Harborside Church Podcast. To connect with us online, go to www.harborside.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Church, the passage this morning is from the book of Matthew, chapter 13, from verse 44 to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Nice short reading. Thank you, Tani. Ah, Good morning again and welcome to Vision Sunday. It's great to see you here. Man, that smells good. Are you going to be okay for the next 20 minutes? Okay, I'm lying, 30 minutes. Um, Smelling that, are you going to be all right? Okay, we'll see. We'll see how we go. That smells good. Thank you to the team putting that lunch together. Please stick around. Welcome to Vision Sunday. A particular Sunday in the year, I think it's appropriate to the start of the year where we stop and we focus. I like that team huddle illustration, Ali. That's helpful. As we, we focus on our vision. How good was that vision video? How cool was that? Did you see yourself in it? <laughs> My kids saw it and all they were concerned about was how many times were they in the video? Uh, it's great, isn't it? As Ali said, we, we, have a, we have a mission statement that is proclaiming the hope of Jesus to Mossman and beyond. But that vision video, it's a whole page, it's like 500 words, all the, the text. That's what we want to see. That is proclaiming the hope of Jesus to Mossman and beyond, lived out. That's our dream. That's what we'd love to see here. And it's happening. But here's the thing. We ain't done. There's so much more to do. And that's part of what I want to talk about today. Today, I want to ask us to dream. Not fall asleep and have a dream, okay? To dream with your eyes open, to dream. Picture with me. Imagine with me what this church can look like. And imagine, think about, consider what our part could be in reaching that vision and accomplishing that vision. Vision Sunday, it's a chance to remind each other what we're on about and ask, hey, how can I be involved in supporting that vision? How can we commit to what we're hoping that God is doing here in Mossman. Josh, our eldest, he has been wearing glasses for quite some time. And uh, a little while ago, he said, I think my glasses are pretty dirty. Do we have any lens cleaners? And maybe that was maybe the first time he'd asked to clean them. I don't know. And so we showed him the lens cleaners and he took them off and he cleaned them. He put them back on and, and he said, whoa, they were really dirty. I can really see clearly now. That's what today's about. Every organization, group, NGO, church, individual, we get busy, don't we? We get distracted, right? There's so many things coming at us, good things, bad things, everyday normal things, and our our lenses, you know, if you will, our lenses get a bit dirty. Today, we want to take off those glasses, give them a good clean, and refocus. Church, what are we doing? What are we here for? What are we on about? To help us think about that, To help us think about that, we're going to look at two short parables that Jesus teaches, that Tani read uh, for us. I love Jesus' teaching. I love his parables. So simple, yet so profound, aren't they? So short. My message, not going to be as short as Jesus' teaching and not quite as skillful as him. But can we look at these two parables? And in the back of our minds, let's think about the vision of this church and how we can be a part of it. What does God want us to do here? Let's check them out together. 
We're on. We're on. Okay. Verse 44, this first pithy little parable, the kingdom of heaven. It's like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. The kingdom of heaven. It's a term used a lot in the Gospel of Matthew, Gospels of Mark and Luke. They use the kingdom of God. What does it mean? Jesus is the king in a new kind of kingdom which we as Christians belong to. We now live in it. It will come in its fullness when Christ returns. And a question Jesus often talks about is, what's that kingdom going to be like? Where Christ is king, where we as believers, we, we belong. What's it like to be under his rule? Do people flourish? What's he like as a king? It's where he rules. It's where we belong. What's it like? In this parable, Jesus says, well, it's like what? Treasure. It's like treasure. What comes to mind when you, you hear that word, treasure? Maybe like an old school treasure chest full of gold coins. If you're a Fortnite player, it's full of treasure chests. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, am I right? Yeah, yeah, most people don't know what I'm talking about. It's full of treasure chests. What do you think about, right? It's something that you would guard, yeah? Something that you would guard maybe even with your life. Of course, it's meant to be something of immense value, priceless, irreplaceable. We took uh, the family to see the Pharaoh's exhibition at the Australian Museum. Anyone been to that? It's fantastic. I love that stuff. I can thoroughly recommend it. Talk about treasures. I was, my mind was blown. Right? The, the jewellery particularly got me. The, the, the workmanship, the precious stones, precious metals, these things are thousands of years old. When you think about priceless, that's where my mind kind of goes. Imagine what the archaeologists would have felt uncovering these treasures. Incredible. Immense value, priceless, irreplaceable, incomparable. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure, hidden in a field, hidden. It's funny, hidden. It's funny to think about. But when you think about it a bit more, yeah, okay, it makes sense. There is a hiddenness to the kingdom of God, isn't there? Right? It's to, to, to Jesus, to the gospel, to the good news, it, it may not be completely plain. It may not be staring us in the face. It, it, something, in a way, it needs to be found, uncovered, revealed. But of course, it is findable. Because both people in the parables find it, don't they? Let's look at the first one. A man, he's working in the field, digging away, right? Digging away with his shovel and thunk, hits the treasure. Now, this man's probably a poor guy, a day laborer. You know, wealthy people don't dig in other people's fields. He's a day laborer. And, and what's on his mind? Everything, nothing, but certainly not, I'm about to find something of immense value. Going about his business, digging Thunk hits the treasure. He accidentally comes across it, digs out the chest, opens it up, discovers it contains immense value, looks at, a content, at the contents, and what does he do? Sets it aside and just goes back to work. No, of course not. His encounter with the treasure completely changes the course of his life. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. He hides that treasure again. And what does he do? Man, it's extreme. Yeah? 
takes extreme drastic action. If he was married, I I picture him going home, speaking to his wife, rushing in, darling, you're not going to believe it, but my eyes have seen something of immense value. So much so that everything in this house, including you and the kids, should be sold. No, 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 maybe not you guys, but everything, compared to what I've seen, everything else, it's like ashes. We've got to sell it all to get this. I wonder what her response would have been. Imagine if your partner, if you're married, your partner came home and said the same thing. Or maybe a parent or a good friend or a child. What would you think if someone said, I have seen something of so much value, everything else that I own, I'd trade it in a second. One word comes to mind for me, reckless. And I reckon if you're honest, that's what you'd be thinking too. Really? Slow down a minute. This is extreme. This is a little bit reckless. A little bit reckless. To us, it seems extreme and reckless. To the man in the parable, though, it seems like the most logical response in the world. Okay, next parable. Let's have a look. Very similar, and yet we've got a different character. Jesus teaches, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. That's like a business person. A merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Okay, last guy, day labourer, kind of poor. This man, merchant, businessman, wealthy, cultured, educated, different part of society. He looks at life very differently. And what's he doing? He's on the hunt, isn't he? He's on the hunt. Think of maybe someone in private equity looking for that business that could, with his specialty, he could flip and sell for a fortune. Or maybe an investment banker just looking for the right deal. They don't come along very often, but when they do, oh, man can make some money. Or maybe a property developer looking for, what is it, the, the, the worst house on the best street, looking for that house with good bones so they can flip it and make a great profit. Something like that. A merchant. He knows his stuff. Probably spent years and years looking at fine things, valuable things, built a career on knowing what to look for. And here's another difference in the parables. You probably noticed it already. It's this. This man... He's on the hunt, right? He's seeking, actively engaged in a search for something of great worth, trained eye, seen lots of fakes, seen other things of enormous value. He knows what he wants. Remember the man in the field? He wasn't looking. Stumbled upon it accidentally and found the treasure. And what does this teach us? I think one thing, I think this shows us at the very least, there are different ways people come to Jesus. Right? There there are some apathetic atheists that, you know, they're not really looking for God. And then God just meets them, encounters them in a crazy way, sometimes a radical way, and knocks them off their feet and reveals himself as as the glorious treasure. Other people diligently search, sometimes for years. In the holidays, I I read a great book. It's called uh, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, and uh, a great book about a man named Nabil Qureshi, a true story about his his life, particularly his life of faith. He grew up in a, a loving Muslim home and was himself a dedicated Muslim, as was his whole family. And uh, he encountered a Christian, a good, uh, his name's David, at university. And he was struck by this man, and man, he sought and sought and sought. He wanted to know, is God Allah or is it Jesus? I want to serve the true and living God. And he read, it took him years, and he read pretty much everything on Islam and so many things on Christianity, went to so many debates, finally was overcome 
with the love and grace of Jesus Christ and gave his life to him. It's a great book. I can thoroughly recommend it. I was so encouraged. God is at work in lots of different ways. Lots of different ways. The treasure and the pearl of great value, they might be somewhat hidden, but friends, so findable. Those who seek the truth will not be disappointed. Even though the wealthy businessman is different, the merchant, different to the day labourer, there are some similarities, right? Their response is the same. What does he do? He went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now, I'm guessing that everything he had was a lot more than the first guy because this guy's wealthy, right? For a wealthy merchant selling all you have, it's a lot. But to him, it was worth it. Seems extreme to us. But to him, it was worth it. Now, what are we to take home from these parables? What are we to take home? What are some key things to notice? There's a lot. Let's just look at two this morning. Let's look at two. First thing. Might sound completely obvious, but the parable is teaching us. Who's the treasure? Of course, it is Christ himself. He is the treasure and he is the pearl of great price. Christ, his gospel, the good news, the kingdom. He is the treasure. He is of incomparable worth. All other things are counterfeit. All other things are a dim glow when compared to the bright, shining light of Jesus Christ. He is the treasure. What else? Second thing. Both men, they're different, and they discover the treasure in different ways, but of course, their response is the same. They encounter the treasure of Christ, the beauty of Christ, and their actions to us seem extreme, to them are completely logical. And they do it with what? In the first parable, it's so clear. They do it with joy. In his joy, he went and sold everything and bought that field. In his joy. Can you notice that with me? In his joy. No sour obligation. No kind of duty-bound religiosity. How often some do we think, if I have to, I guess I'd better. I should do it. Joyful. Confident. So confident. Sacrificial. So let me ask you this morning, have you responded to Jesus and his life-giving message? Have you responded? Do you recognize Jesus as the treasure above all other treasures? Do you recognize him for what he's worth? If not, can I ask you, why not? Maybe you're like the merchant. You've been seeking. You've been reading. You've been trying to discover. But can I ask you, if that's you, what, are you, what else are you hoping to find? What else are you hoping to find? Are you hoping to find more peace, more rest? Are you hoping to find someone more loving, more generous, more merciful, more compassionate, more full of grace than Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who gave his life for you in place of yours so that you could be part of his family? He is the great treasure, is he not? For those of us who have responded, who have responded to Jesus' offer of forgiveness, 
who've accepted, who've received his mercy and grace, here's a question for us this morning. What should our lives look like? What could our lives look like if Jesus was our great treasure? Can we for a moment examine our lives in the light of the glorious treasure of Christ that we now have? Here's a question for us as a church, together, as a community, as a body on Vision Sunday. It's this. What does a church that treasures Jesus look like? Isn't that a great question? A group of people who respond like both people in the parable. Imagine a group of people who were just on fire thinking, I have found something of incomparable worth. Everything else to me... Their priorities are centered around Jesus Christ being the treasure. Imagine what a community of people like that could look like, could be. Gets me excited. With that in mind, I'd like to talk about our vision for 2024, if that's okay, and our response to it. Maybe a bit of a gear shift. There's going to be one more of those, don't worry. As we look at 2024, As I said earlier, our vision video, which is awesome, I love it. The text, it's a page long, it's pretty long. And it's what we dream of what God could do if a people gathered in his name treasured him. That's what it is. And it's got a lot of stuff in there. So 18 months ago, the leadership team and the staff, we went away for the day and we gathered And we sought God, and we said, God, the vision statement says a lot of good things, but what do you want us to focus on in this next season? Because it could be a lot of things. Where do you want us to put our efforts for the next few years? And so we came up with four long-term strategic goals for this next season of Harborside, for the next few years. Here they are. I hope it's somewhat familiar, because I talked about this last year, and we should be talking about this more. Note to self, here are the four long-term strategic goals for Harborside Church. Growing deeper in Christ through spiritual formation. Fostering a quality and inspiring corporate worship service. Engaging the community through service and evangelism. And building a loving and hospitable church culture. These are our four priorities. We do lots more. But we want to put particular effort into these four areas. Last year, our special focus was growing deeper in Christ through spiritual formation. I think that was great. And you know what? We don't leave that behind. We're not like, okay, we've grown all we possibly can. We move on now. No, no, no. All that we did last year informs what we're doing this year. And I'm really excited to say, in line with that, at what this key priority this year, we are journeying through the Gospel of Luke together most of the year. And we're going to do it together. I'm so excited about it. Caleb's put a lot of work into this. We've ordered these journals all the way from the USA. I think that's right. These journals, it's a gift for every single person. It's, it's a copy of, of the Gospel of Luke, and it's got an app that goes with it. This is really fantastic. And I'm looking forward to doing this. More on this in coming weeks. That's, we're going to be growing deeper in Christ through spiritual formation together. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. But this year, we are, this, this is our focus for the year, and it is engaging with the community through service 
and evangelism. This is our special focus for 2024. Hey, do we already do this? Yeah. We've been doing it since we launched this church. Well, then why are we talking about it? More of that in a moment. Here's a, a sentence to put a bit more language around what our key focus is for this year. By December 2024, Harborside Church will be more actively engaged in local service and evangelism that seeks to practically serve the needy and build a bridge between the community and Harborside Church. That's our special focus for this year. Man, I'm excited about that. What's this going to look like? I'll be honest with you. I'm not entirely sure yet. But this goes to the heart of our church, of who we are, reaching the lost, serving the needy and loving them. Now, why focus on it? Isn't this just a given? Like, isn't every church on about this? Yes. But as I said in the beginning, everyone gets distracted and everyone loses focus. And I really believe God has called us to do this here particularly. There are so many people out there that don't know Christ, so many who are lost, and there are so many who are needy. You may not think so in such a wealthy place, but let me tell you, all you've got to do is just scratch the surface a little bit and people are hurting. So our prayer for this year is, Lord, send us to those people. We want to do this, reach more people with the good news of Jesus, practically serve the needy, be his hands and feet. I'm looking forward to talking much more about this this year. Can I, can I give you a direct action point right now? It's this. Can you please come to the Kingdom Come Night this coming Wednesday? Why? Because in seeking to do this, to, to reach the lost, to, to serve the needy, we're going to go out. And it's kind of risky. And we need God. We need Jesus. Do we need him all the time? Yes. But particularly when we're trying to do something that's maybe out of our comfort zone, we need him. We're stepping out in faith. And so what do we need to do? Pray. So would you join us on Wednesday night as we pray this in? We don't have small groups next week for this reason, so people can come and pray. I'm looking forward to serving the needy, and, and sharing the gospel this year. I tell you what, on Christmas Day, uh, we were sharing about our, our years with, with our family, and I was telling people about Surf Sunday. Do you remember Surf Sunday last year? Yep, can I get some nods? 17th of December, where we had a short service, and we, we cleared the chairs, and, and, and we wrapped presents, and we made cards, and we, we got 110 gifts, and we gave them to 110 homeless young folks. How good was that? And I was telling family about it, and I, I, I just couldn't get through describing what happened on Sunday because I choked up three times. I couldn't get through it. And I was just struck by the emotion of it. I just, I was floored. I was so proud. Can I say that? I was so proud of our church that we did something so special for people in need. And I'm looking forward to doing more of that this year. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. So we're going to try some things this year and we're going to be more prayerful and we're going to take risks. And you know what? Some things might flop. That's okay. That's what happens when you try things. We're secure in Christ so we can take a risk. Okay, there's so many things to get excited about this year. I'm not going to list all of the ministry opportunities. You'll hear more about them in the future. But I want to talk about something, a particular invitation to those folks that call Harborside Church home. I want to invite you 
to partner with us financially in this vision, to financially invest in the vision of this church. In other years, I've talked a lot about serving, about joining a serve team, about stepping up and serving. I've talked a lot in past years about prayer. Nothing happens in this church without prayer. And are those two things still important? Yes, they are. Please join us in those things. But particularly, I want to talk about finances this morning, as you'll see why, because there's a need. There's a need. And as your leader, I need to bring that before you this morning. If you're new or visiting with us this morning, I'm sorry your first experience of church here is of the pastor talking about money. Sorry about that, but we've locked the doors. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, but here's, here's the truth. I've had a few people come up to me semi-recently and say, hey, we don't talk about money very much. Well, here we go. The last time we had an update was November, and the, the time before that was March. And I'm learning, I don't think that's enough, actually. I don't think it's enough in terms of communicating well with the church. And I don't think we teach about it enough from God's Word either. Kayla said this morning, well, you know what? Jesus talks a lot about money in the Gospel of Luke, so here we go. It's going to be a great year. So let's talk a bit about this. Being a Christian means following Jesus with every area of our lives, including our finances. So let me give us an update, and then I'm going to give us a clear invitation. Here we go. All right. We work on a, a financial year budget, okay? In July of 2023, we budgeted $431,000 in tithes and offerings, that is giving from the congregation. That's not our full budget. Our full budget's a bit more. There's a tiny bit of other income, rentals and other things. But today I want to just focus particularly on the regular giving, that is tithes and offerings. Now, that was a stretch number, $431,000 for this financial year, because starting out, we were averaging about $30,000 a month in regular giving. So we hope to see an increase in the giving as we grew to reach 431,000. This graph kind of roughly represents that plan. Our actuals for the first six months show us that we actually haven't grown that much in our regular giving. We have flatlined. We started at about $30,000 in July and we're still kind of at that, just a tiny bit above it on average. Why is that? Well, I, I think there's probably a few reasons, but here are two. First one I've already talked about. I don't think we've done a good enough job in communicating with you. We should have communicated that we were flatlining earlier. I'm sorry for that. That changes today. We are going to regularly update the church monthly, going to do it creatively and practically and from a spiritual way. We need to do that. We need to do better in that. So I'm sorry. I think the second reason is maybe people assume that a church in Mossman is just flush with cash. Maybe. Maybe. So here's what we want to see. We want to see our regular giving jump to $36,000 a month. $36,000 a month in tithes and offerings I think is a doable number. As steering committee and some staff, we've met together, we've thought through this, we've prayed through it. It's what myself and the leadership team is asking you to do to help us pursue our calling here in Mossman by helping us get to that number this month in February. Now, will that mean we hit our target at the end of June 
of $431,000. Well, maybe not. But that's okay. We can weather it. We've got some reserves in the bank. Not a lot, but some to cover, but not for much longer. But I tell you what, if we hit about 36000 or maybe even a bit more, for the start of the next financial year, we'll be in a good place to think about the budget for the following financial year. So to sum up, clarity. We're getting clarity this morning, aren't we? Here it is. Giving's currently stuck at $30,000 per month. We need giving to get to about 36000 a month to cover our ministry budget. All right. We've communicated. Great. We're going to finish in a moment. Appreciate your attention on this this morning. Thank you. How are we going to do that? How are we going to do it? I want to talk about three principles about money that I think about a lot when it comes to following Jesus with our finances. And I don't think we should be awkward about this. As I said before, following Jesus with every area of our life, that includes our finances. So let's have an honest conversation. Here are three things I think about a lot when talking about money. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 9 says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. First principle from this is really short, generosity. It's clear, isn't it? Generosity. Right? As followers of Jesus, we're free. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. So we are free to be as generous as we want. People talk a lot about 10% or, you know, other percentages. Yeah, you can talk about that if you want to. But I think the New Testament talks a lot about generosity. That's the principle. That's the principle, generosity. A question for us, when we look at how much we give our local church, would you call it generous? Would a person who's encountered the treasure of Jesus, what would it look like to follow Jesus with their finances? What a question to think about. A stingy giver? What does it say about our hearts? Do we give sacrificially? Okay, a second principle to think about is thoughtfulness. I really like this. What does Paul say? Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. I really love that. What does that mean? It means we're to be thoughtful, discerning, right? Think about it. Don't be flippant. I remember when I was a new Christian for, for too long, I'd turn up to church, it's before direct debit, and, you know, the, the plate would come around and I'd just kind of give whatever was in my pocket because I'd, I'd forgotten to go to the ATM or beforehand, right? Is that deciding in your heart? Is that being thoughtful? No, it's not. I'm going to ask you to do what Pip and I did earlier this week. We sat down and we, we asked each other, can we do more? Can we increase our giving? Now, the answer may have been no. It was yes, but we don't know, but we're asking you to be thoughtful. How can you know if you're being generous if you actually don't do the math, Right? I wonder if we did the math, what would it come out as, you know, a percentage-wise? Oh, I kind of give 0.4%. I don't know. What, what would it be for you? I don't know. I'm not going to check up. It's between you and God. But I'm here to ask you, would you characterize that as generous? Would God? Okay. 
If you're married, sit down with your partner, work it out. If you're single, spend some time, put it in the diary. The last principle I want to talk about this morning is, of course, joy. Oh, I had these on the... Oh, there it is. Thanks, Jazz. Oh, look at you. Thank you. God loves a cheerful giver. I heard that so many times growing up, and it's a, it's a bit cheesy, but it's true. No one is under compulsion here to give. I don't think that means there's no responsibility, right? Oh, I'm not really feeling it. Well, the feelings will come. <laughs> Right? There's a difference between, I was just, I, I, I could get you all into emotional frenzy. I could. I could try anyway. But I don't think it works, and I don't think it works in the long term. Be thoughtful. Sit down. Decide in your heart what you want to give before God. Ask him. Of course, remember the men of the parable when face-to-face with the treasure of Jesus, they joyfully responded. Can we joyfully respond in a confident way? Not giving from the leftovers, that's another principle, there's lots of them, but that principle of first fruits, I don't know if you heard that before, of uh, I'm not going to, at the end of the month, oh, I'm going to give whatever's left out. No, at the, the first, I'm going to, this is what I've decided to give. Joyfully committing to give first to God, because he's given us all things anyway, amen? We trust him with our eternity. Can we trust him with our finances? You bet we can. So, All right, here's the action moment. I'm going to direct you guys to the cards on your seats. And if you don't have one, grab it. Grab it right now. You might be sitting on it. It might be on the floor. And if you don't have one, just put your hand up. And uh, Lizzie or Caleb will get you one. Hopefully we've got some spares. If you don't have one, just, just wave and Caleb will get you. Okay. You may already be giving to the church regularly. And if that's you, I want to say for myself and the leadership team, thank you. We couldn't do it without you. Harborside Church is funded by donations. We receive no income from the government or the denomination. It's 100% from the church. So if you're already giving, thank you. We really, really appreciate it. But here's a question for you. Are you able to increase it? I wouldn't ask you to do what um, I wouldn't be willing to do. And so are you able to think about increasing your giving? Sometimes we just set and forget, right? And that's good. But I think it's good to review it as well upon occasion. Are you able to do that? Could you tick that middle box? I'm able to increase my regular giving to Harborside. You might be in another category. You might be pretty new to Harborside Church, if you're brand new and if you're a visitor, remember, this is not for you. But if you're wanting to call Harborside home, you're thinking about it or you've been here for a while, hey, this is for you. This is to, to people who want to call Harborside Church home. We want to invite you to be a new financial partner. Could you consider being a new financial partner? Are you able to partner with us? Can I say, please don't leave it to the rest of us to shoulder this burden because together we can do it. So if that's you, please tick that box. And for you, put an email. All you will get is an email from me once. I'm not going to follow you up. I'm not going to, I'm just, you're just going to get an email from me with the details and a thank you. That's it. That's all you'll get. And if you are already giving to the church, and you might be like, you know what, right now, 
I can't. I can't increase. But I'm going to stay at the current level. I want to say thank you. That's okay. That is fine. But we ask you to tick the box as a symbol of, you know, I'm going to commit again this year to financially partner with the church. I'm going to give you a moment to fill it out. There's lots of pens around. If you don't have a pen, just put your hand up. And then I'm going to come back and and direct us what to do with those cards. So I'm going to give you a minute. Leslie's going to play some very thoughtful, generous music. And uh, going to get back to you in a minute. All right, I'm going to invite the band up. Hold on to those cards. Don't, don't collect them just yet. Hold on to those cards. We'll get you to do something with them in a moment. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. Let's stand together, church. We're going to sing a great song called Great Things. And halfway through this song, I'm going to invite you to bring your card down as an act of worship and place the card in the box halfway through the song. Don't do it until I come back up. And we're going to do it. We're going to worship God with our finances today. It's a good and right and proper thing to do. So band, let's sing about God doing great things.